Howdy. If you haven't already, make sure to follow us on all the socials. We are at History and Film on Instagram and HIF Pod on Twitter. My personal Twitter account is at TrackNerds, and you can always email me at Simmons at TrackNerds.com. Enjoy the show. Okay, I wanted to start just real quick with a little bit of feedback we did get. Another movie recommendation from Nick, a different Nick than last time. We're very popular with guys <laughs> named Nick. And so uh, Nick could just listen to the Paradise Now episode and had another one that's actually similar but more of a comedy. Another one that humanizes suicide bombers, but also without uh, condoning them, he says. Uh, it's called Four Lions and has a... Uh, huh. Riz Ahmed, who's actually got a good chance of getting an oh, yeah. Oscar nomination here coming up for Sound of Metal, and he's in one of the Star Wars movies, right? He's in, like, uh, Rogue One, I think. Anyway, yeah, so Four Lions, and, I, and again, I don't know much about it other than what Nick said here, but definitely want to check out because it is a 82% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 7.3 on IMDb, and again, I, I love it when people do send in these titles for us because as much you know research as we've kind of done tracking down movies yep this is one that just i must have missed i almost feel like i might have heard about this 10 years ago when it came out like it might have been on my radar briefly and i just never got around to watching it and then you know time passes and you completely forget about it so i definitely want to check it out i hadn't even heard about it but just the fact that riz ahmed is in it makes me want to check it out i i do like riz ahmed yeah i think he's great so that's for sure one that uh that we'll watch. Yeah. We talked about there was humorous elements in Paradise Now, kind of surprisingly. Yeah. Some surprising moments of levity where it's like, yeah. hey, wait a minute. Were they just making a joke? <laughs> um, but we still call it primarily a drama, whereas this one almost looks like flipped, where I think it's primarily a comedy, but I'm sure would have moments of seriousness. Right. And, and again, yeah. I think it's always the best. I think the best dramas have comedy and the best comedies have drama. Absolutely. So what I do think we'll probably try to do going forward with films like this is so like we did with uh the beast or the beast of war we did kind of just we did actually go ahead and watch it and just talked about it for like five minutes but i think what might work better on these is now that we've wrapped up world history but if we get a good recommendation like this i think we will still want to some, at some point sit down and watch it and talk about it but then i think we then just go back retroactively and say where it would fit in so it can kind of be released as a full episode Right. So like a Paradise Now is episode 92, we could, you know, a few months from now or a year from now or whatever, go back, call it episode 92B that now has now is a bonus episode that was just, you know, kind right. of in uh, it'll show up in the podcast feed just whenever we do it, but then we could put it on the website kind of in the timeline where it fits. So that's almost kind of a right. fun thing is we could almost in perpetuity always be adding in movies to kind of this master timeline wherever they fit so yeah so yeah keep yeah. them coming we will definitely get around to this one at, at some point yeah because we we've talked before about doing that like with uh with movies that will be coming out right right you know inevitably there's going to be movies about historical events that uh will fit in our timeline that we'll want to talk about but yeah also for sure doing movies that are already out that we either just have never heard of or didn't cover or, or whatever you yeah, have definitely reach out and uh and recommend those to us and, and we'll uh we'll try and get to them yeah and it's kind of fun that even though we had talked about that i guess it never occurred to me that it is just kind of this ever-growing timeline it's maybe, right. and that's kind of a neat way to think about it is we can just kind of have that again that list is on on the website for the, the podcast track nerds and you can kind of 
Follow the links around there. You'll figure it out. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Like Logan said, keep them coming. So even though we're not taking a typical hiatus this time around, we still thought it would be appropriate to go through and do a season four recap looking at the final quarter of our world history project here uh, as we kind of go forward into some different things. And and frankly, it might even be appropriate to just kind of give a nod to the whole the project as a whole uh, looking at, at, at world history. Don't want to spend a ton of time. So this is basically taking the place of what in the past few years has been our hiatus episode, but mm-hmm. what is kind of called the season four slash world history in film recap episode. Did we end up figuring out how many movies we actually covered? Well, uh, it's, again, I think it's 119 episodes unless I counted wrong. And Okay. That's with, with bonuses because it's 100 a hundred regular episodes with bonuses thrown in. Right, right. And it's a little trickier to count. We have to kind of, I have to kind of manually count the way I have it set up. And of course, I also then was listening to, as I was editing, I heard my past self say something about 120. But I don't know if that was uh, just a different count of episodes or if I was counting the time I put Gladiator in the title with the fall of the Roman Empire and was counting that as two movies, even though it was mm-hmm. one episode. Gotcha. And, but, but at the same time, we've mentioned dozens of movies in episodes sure. that we that yep. we don't really go uh, deep diving on. So <laughs> obviously it's pretty knowable, but I don't feel it's that important to have what that exact number is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just curious. Yeah, so we'll say 119, 120 ep- episodes going through world history. I, again, I, I not, not to rehash things we've talked about a million times before, but it's it's an idea that I had as maybe do as a coffee table book at one point. And I just kind of was always enamored with the idea of using movies to learn and examine world history. But I guess what I was just really tickled with was the idea of doing it in chronological order. And I think that there are a lot of podcasts that talk about movies and how historically accurate they are. And we probably don't even talk as much about the historical accuracy as we do just about right. the events and people that these films bring up. And I just think it's been a lot of fun doing that in chronological order and and i've learned a lot even if people don't find it that interesting or or we don't have a huge audience or anything i i've had a lot of fun doing it and i've learned a lot i feel like i just i feel like i'm a much better history student than i was when this all began oh absolutely and it's doing the podcast in this way where we do have it in chronological order really kind of emphasize to me at least how connected a lot of these events are. So a lot of the times when you're learning this stuff in school, you'll learn about, you know, the the medieval knights and you'll learn about Julius Caesar and you, you know, you'll learn about, you know, the the Chinese dynasties, but there's a lot of through lines and a lot of cause and effect that isn't necessarily apparent if you're just kind of looking at it piecemeal like that, just like, you know, a chunk here and a chunk there when we go through and especially in the earlier seasons when we were, you know, when, when you would have the, you're also in the world at this time, you know, this and this and this was going on. It, it does kind of help kind of illustrate how history is just right now that already happened. History. I like that. History is just right now that already happened. That's actually kind of brilliant. <laughs> Cause it's not, you, you know what I mean? Like it's not uh, in a lot of these movies, you'll have, you know, uh, a plot line where there's, you know, resolution and there's a climax and, you know, and there's, uh, 
you know, you have story beats and, and history itself is not necessarily like that. And it sounds kind of obvious or, or dumb to think about, but it is kind of profound that that when you think about, well, yeah, to these people, history was just the stuff that was going on. Right. Yeah, it's 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 been really interesting to learn about all the stuff that was going on in all these different people's lives. Yeah, that's something I've always tried to emphasize is that like you kind of said it in that way I really liked, but it, it's it's always the present for the people involved. And so when we talk about, you know, Ramses the second or Richard the third, it's like they were living in the modern world, like to them. And then pe- people are just people like you, there's not these. I don't know. I always say, you know, Romans would have cell phones if they had the technology. They weren't different people. Right. They just were in a different time. And yes, there are different worldviews you have based on the time you grew up in and the geography of where you grew up in. But people are people. And I, I think that's just kind of a big thing to get from history. Um, also, then too, like you're talking about the doing it in chronological order kind of helps realize what was contemporary to, you know, each other. So something like. Richard the Lionheart and Genghis Khan are like the same age. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, 1157 and 1158. Like they were born just a year apart. And you you think about, you know, medieval England with the Crusades and stuff versus the conquest of Genghis Khan with the Mongols. When you go, go through a regular history class, it never crosses your mind that those are contemporary events. Right. And then, you know, in different parts of the world there. Well, and and vice versa too. Things that maybe you think are oh well, that's like, well, that happened during the the time of the Roman Empire, and this event also happened in the time of the Roman Empire. So those must have been like about the same time, and it's like hundreds of years removed from each other, right? Or how Cleopatra is closer to the modern day than she is the first pharaohs, right? Yeah, because yeah, because yeah. that's yeah. how long the Egyptian uh, Empire or the Egyptian civilization with pharaohs and everything lasted. That. Yeah, she's closer to present day than the building of the pyramids, like by a lot. Right. When you look at at all of human history on a timeline like this, it's kind of a, it's this simultaneous feeling of, wow, a lot of this stuff really isn't that far removed from from me as I thought. And also, oh my God, humans have been doing stuff for a long time. Like this is such a huge (laughs) amount of time. I can't even comprehend yeah, of course, then that's even nothing compared to geological time and all that. Oh, but yeah, right, yeah. Yeah. I was watching a video that kind of summed up, uh, he was doing an overview of world history, and I think it's important we talk about history versus prehistoric time and how it does tie into just written records, and that history does go back just about 5,000 or 5,500 years to the invention of writing. And then you actually have records that you can use as historical documents versus anything before that is prehistoric because we have no written records just while we found through archaeological records uh, over the centuries. Yeah. It's like I said, I I love history. There's a reason we wanted to do this podcast. Yeah. So getting specifically to the last quarter, it was just kind of uh, need to see a lot of, well, the movies get more and more modern because when you're starting in the late 60s and into the 70s, well, you're not going to have a lot of movies from the 1940s <laughs> that right. make their way into yeah. the last quarter of the list here. I'm trying to think, do we even have a movie that was black and white other than Good Night and Good Luck, which that was black and white by choice and not by necessity? I don't even, I don't think we did. Well, but even even that is season three. 
Oh, was that? Oh, that was last season. All right. Well, then. Yeah. Yeah. Second. No, so, so this. We, so this. Did we even have a movie that was in, like black and white? I don't think so. I'm looking at the list right now. I don't. I don't think so. I don't think. Yeah. Do. I don't think so. Yeah. So so we started off with the the Halloween episode. You know, doing the Zodiac Killer out in California. We spent a lot of time in Southeast Asia this season. Between yeah, we did. You're living dangerously, and uh, pl- platoon, and the killing, killing fields, fields, and yep. decent amount of time spent in Africa as well. True, true, and I, I think what a lot of that is, though, too, is so we've always tried to be as geographically and culturally diverse as possible, and I think that was just harder to do in the first couple seasons. That there was just yeah. fewer movies available. Like say something like Indian history is really really rich, even and even some and they and they're, of course they make tons of movies. Bollywood makes more movies than Hollywood, but yeah. a lot of those movies just actually weren't available for me to be able to stream in English or, or, or stream with subtitles in the United States, and so I just right. didn't necessarily have access to all of those those films. Whereas when we get into the second half of the 20th century into the 21st century. It's just easier to find movies about subjects all over the world, so I think it was a good time to head back over. We've we spent a lot of time in medieval Europe. Well, we didn't need to go into you know twentieth century France then, <laughs> right? Yeah. So it, it was definitely nice to see those see those other cultures. And uh, all that being said, uh, if there are any listeners out there who know of movies that we missed that are available to stream, uh, let us know. Right, right. We're going to kind of do another episode here talking about what our plans are exactly here going forward. And we mentioned it a little bit in the Midnight in Paris episode. But yeah, we don't want the world history thread here to die. We're going to we're gonna definitely do some other things. We can still go back and watch movies and maybe just do kind of like, almost like, <laughs> infinite's not the right word, but continued bonus episodes that we yeah. can go back in and figure out where those would fit on the timeline. More movies are going to be made. Well, and I was saying too, just because I like to watch movies about historical stuff. So, like, even if it's oh, not sure. for the podcast, just lo- just recommend us good movies to watch that that are you know that we maybe haven't ever heard of or or aren't on the timeline. Right, uh, right, like the Beast that we were able to to watch and talk yeah. a little bit about. Yeah, yep. maybe going forward we might. Yeah, true. We'll watch. We want to watch them because we like these movies, and as we have time, we may be able to then do full on bonus episodes that we 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 include. And just kind of see how that is going forward. So um, I don't think we necessarily need to go through movie by movie here. But scroll through the list here with me. And just kind of maybe think of some things that stood out and are worth repeating. And and right off the bat, I think it's uh, Linda Hunt's performance in The Year of Living Dangerously. is Oh, yeah. I uh, definitely want to highlight. And if people still haven't gotten a chance to watch that, they need to check out her performance. I mean, yeah, going back to that episode, that was kind of like the thing that kept me in that movie like <laughs> that was the thing that like kept me interested because the rest of it i i could take it or leave it especially the mel gibson sigourney weaver love storyline i did not care about it all but linda hun's performance was awesome and it right yeah definitely made that movie for me and just tie into what you see with the oscars the film is not nominated for best picture yet she right, wins best good. supporting actress yeah so right. there, there's yeah that kind of that kind of that kind of fits yeah uh, definitely worth watching for her her performance uh and like logan says you can just fast fast forward when she's not on screen <laughs> yeah platoon uh again just very very solid and just super dark and kind of the war movie that wouldn't have been made 
a generation earlier. They would never make yeah. this movie about World War II by right. by people who went to World War II. Right. I was just going to say, I, I think that that movie is extra impactful and could only have been made the way that it was because of Oliver Stone's personal experiences in Vietnam. Right. Like, I don't. Right. I don't think that that. Uh, yeah. I, I don't think that that someone who wasn't there could have made that movie the same way. Yeah, they always say, write what you know, and that's essentially what happened here, where he made the movie of what he knew, and it right. it would never feel as authentic as it does or be as impactful as it was if he hadn't been in it himself. And I think you you can get some solid movies of people making or telling stories of things they just kind of learned about, but there's just always that extra level if the filmmakers went through it themselves. Right, like... <laughs> Like Steven Spielberg, you know, he didn't fight in World War II, but Saving Private Ryan is still one of the best war movies ever made. However, it doesn't have the same darkness and like, yeah, the same personal feel that Platoon does because Oliver Stone actually went to Vietnam. And it is, it's kind of not autobiographical, like, you know, he's a character in the movie or or it's even based on actual events that happened, but a lot of those situations were likely things that he actually did experience. You know, the having to hump a bunch of gear when it's hot and humid and getting bitten by insects and then, you know, getting ambushed at night and, you know, war crimes. I mean, it's... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Speaking of war crimes, <laughs> Last King of Scotland <laughs> talked about Idi Amin. <laughs> yeah. Oh, not actually war crimes, I guess, because he wasn't actually at war. He was just kind of slaughtering his own people. Right, more just a genocide. Yeah, more yeah, more the genocide. Would I is yeah, just like classified as a war crime. I don't know how that stuff all works. Yeah, just the I I, I was like how they take I talked about it a million times the taking actual events and adding his fictional characters to historical events as a lens to explore them with, and I, I just. I always like that method. It's done a million times, you know, with you know from Doctor Shivago and things like that. Titanic is a, is an example of yep. that, and so that's what we get here in Last King of Scotland. Munich takes a different track. It's more of the based on possible historical events and kind of using real figures as amalgamations yeah. or, in, or turning them into amalgamations to get maybe the spirit of what happened. And we're not focused on specific actual. Well, the thing with Munich is that so much, so much of the actual historical events are shrouded in in secrecy, even right, to this day. Right. Um, so, you know, a lot of that stuff, like some of the some of the events in there, like the the raid where they have the guys that are, you know, in the dresses and stuff that are dressed up as women, mm, and then they, you know, like true, that raid true. actually did happen. But yeah, um, but yeah, a lot of that stuff is kind of well, what can we piece together from what we do know and what people have said versus like actual historical records. Then you get to the Killing Fields, which, again, I just have a hard time not conflating with Year of Living Dangerously. There's similar parts of the world, similar, even similar themes. Killing Fields is the better film. It's also kind of slower and doesn't have the standout performance. I mean, it has great performances, but nothing like Linda Hunt and Year of Living Dangerously. But it is yeah. the better movie and the more accurate story, whereas Year of, Year of Living right. Dangerously added the fictitious people into the real events. Killing Fields about the real people dealing with the real events. Yeah, I was going to say, and, and Killing Fields is, we didn't really go into historical accuracy that much, but I am I think a lot of that stuff was, yeah, like, it's, legit. 
like actually true. Those events are are historically accurate. Right. It's almost like that recreation, or you think about you know in a, do- right. a documentary they'll do a reenactment. <laughs> it's yeah. like it's like a whole movie of that. Yeah, yeah. City of God, not a specific event, not historically accurate, but possibly the best movie we did this uh, this season. It's just from a filmmaking standpoint, City of God might be the best movie, one of the best movies on this whole project, and possibly the best movie this uh, this season. Yeah, I off the top of my head. I'm not even saying it's my favorite per se, but it's hard to argue any movie is better made or a better movie than City of God that we've talked about this season. I mean, Platoon's uh, the best picture winner and things like that, but... I, was, I mean... We I'd rather watch City of God than Platoon. <laughs> yeah. As the only thing, the only movie I... Th- Man, I'm, I'm just looking at this right now. The, the only movie that I think might give it a run for its money is Social Network, but I... Okay, okay. I know that I like that movie... Way more than you do. <laughs> so, it, it, consensus, if we had to come up with a oh, consensus there you go. movie, for sure it's City of God. Okay, that's yeah. fair. That's fair. Okay. And uh, Charlie Wilson's War, which again, kind of a niche event about a you know a American politician that I had never heard of until this movie came out. But then I, I like how it sets the stage for basically so much warfare that came with the U.S. presence in Afghanistan that continues to today and how that kind of has its roots going back to Charlie Wilson's efforts to arm the Mujahideen against the Russians, and then how that's basically how we end up putting U.S. weapons in the hands of the Taliban, who then sheltered al-Qaeda during and after 9-11. And just, it's crazy how this uh, has ripple effects to today for this, event, uh, this story that kind of takes place in the 80s about a Texas politician that is not a household name by any means. Yeah, uh, another... Uh... Aaron Sorkin screenplay. Oh, right. Uh, so, I, know, I, I was waiting for you I'm to chime in. I, I, yeah, yeah. I was waiting for you to uh, chime in at least something before I moved on. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I don't know if we have any other examples of this, but this movie and um, Kite Runner kind of tie into each other really well because Kite Runner, it kind of the beginning of Kite Runner or the flashbacks in Kite Runner happen. On the tail end, yeah. Right, during Charlie Wilson's war, and then the rest of the movie is showing the after effects of that. Uh, I don't know if we have another example of, of that happening on our timeline. Yeah, it's almost even, like, bookended. I mean, maybe maybe with some of, like, the, the uh, you know, British monarch stuff. Yeah, you could almost do... So we always talk about liking having, the, you know, all these movies, how they kind of complement each other, but you could almost do, like, a complicated supercut where you go from one movie to another... And back oh, like and in forth. chronological order? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, it's like this—it's like one master movie of world history, and you just kind of like you think about all these shows we watch where it cuts from this storyline to this storyline and then back, and they're all interconnected. Well, if world history is like that. You could just. Meanwhile, in the South Pacific, and, then you kind of, <laughs> and it's just we're all we're all characters in one giant story <laughs> called life, man. <laughs> Uh, I uh, four weeks three uh, sorry four months three weeks two days is a movie that I I really do hope people will give a chance. It's, it's, yes, it's, it's it's harrowing and it's a hard watch, but I think it's important to watch this movie for not even just the abortion debate side of things, but just for the Eastern European or Eastern Europe at at the time of the fall of the Soviet Union or just before the fall of the Soviet Union. I. I I just think it's a world that you need to kind of live in for a little bit to kind of get your head around it. 
and it's a really well-made film. Not one people have heard of, but I, I hope you give it a chance if, if it's one you were a little maybe hesitant to uh, check out before. Uh, frankly, similar with Tana, where it's a look at this culture in the South Pacific and the idea that it is based on actually a specific true story, not something hugely historically significant or anything like that, but a movie that we both really enjoyed that highlights a culture that was kind of eye-opening for us in the extent to which these people were aware of the quote-unquote modern world and just really had no interest in it and were totally cool living their lives on the South Pacific Island. Yeah, that was was eye-opening to me because when I think of, uh, I don't like to use the word primitive, but, you know, a, a tribe of people like this, uh, it's like, oh, well, they just, you know, they haven't really encountered modern stuff. Otherwise, they'd be all about it. They'd be, you know, trying to get their McDonald's cheeseburgers and, you know, driving their Chevys. But no, they they know about it. They had a couple of them in the movie had even traveled to meet like British royalty and came back. And we're like, yeah, no, that's it's cool that they're doing that. But like, this is how we want to live. And I just thought that yeah. that was fascinating. Yeah, it's crazy. Bill and Ted's uh, obviously a nostalgic favorite of mine that you humored me through. And, and I do like that, <laughs> pat, pat myself on the back, in, in, <laughs> in, including Bill and Ted's kind of throughout. You can go back to the first season and I was mentioning Bill and Ted whenever they came up in, in, yeah. in the timeline. When they picked up uh, Joan of Arc and Napoleon yeah, and Genghis yeah. Khan, yeah. Yeah, that amused me. So yeah, thank you to the audience for uh, humoring me on that as well. It's more, <laughs> more, of, a, more of a guilty pleasure. Goodbye, Lennon. I love the premise and setup of this movie. It ties in, you know, in some ways to four four months, three weeks, two days, as far as being, you know, that kind of, well, I mean, we're in Germany, but just as far as the fall of the Soviet Union and uh, dealing with people who had to live through, they don't even focus so much on the oppression as much as just kind of the poverty, but not even like individual poverty, like an entire impoverished nation, impoverished nation but it still has modern things and how they just kind of, have to make do and, and, and just the idea that then they you have this kid who has to hide the fall of the Soviet Union and the Berlin Wall from his ailing mother and it's just such a fascinating premise that's done in a really powerful way but also while being lighthearted and it's another really really good movie that not enough people have seen and I had never even heard of it before we were oh really yeah we're okay. doing this uh, the the main character Daniel Brühl is he's getting a lot more work now in American stuff. Like he was in, we talked about it in the episode, but he was in um, some Marvel movies. Right. He was in Inglorious Bastards. But yeah, this uh, I I really like that one. Here's one. I actually was just listening to a podcast as a follow up. So Hotel Rwanda. We've talked about it's one of the most emotionally devastating movies I've ever seen. Probably the most emotionally devastating movie I've ever seen. For whatever reason, we see you see movies. We talk about Last King of Scotland. There's yeah. other movies with horrific events, Schindler's List, all these kind of things. Beast for of whatever, re- yeah, <laughs> that we're about yeah. to get to. Yeah, for whatever reason, none of those hit near as hard for me as Hotel Rwanda, and I think it just comes down to the filmmaking. And I couldn't even put my finger on exactly what it is. This movie is utterly devastating in its depiction of the Rwandan genocide. Yeah. And I hate to steer people away from it, but at the same time, it is a tough watch. I've sat down and watched it twice, only because I watched it a second time for this podcast. And I'm yeah, not it's... looking forward to watching it again, but I totally would, and I totally recommend it. It's basically an experience you yeah. need to have. Right. 
and another one not not the same uh event but hotel rwanda and no man's land actually do take place uh concurrently with each other i thought yeah and yeah i was thinking about that when you were talking earlier about all the concurrent events or something so i was just listening to a podcast and it actually gives a little bit of a follow-up we didn't have when we did the original episode on hotel rwanda like some of the stuff is still ongoing so the leader of rwanda following the the genocide uh kagame or something like that does that sound familiar yeah oh there was uh current event stuff like recently the last like few months about yeah, this that's, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah exactly so he apparently uh again the lo- long story short has kind of over the years gotten more and more oppressive and worried about losing his power and so even though he's you know originally and technically democratically elected those elections have gotten more and more suspicious where all of a sudden he's getting like 99 percent of the votes right and he's becoming more and more of an authoritarian and people are speaking out against him so he was actually initially a huge fan of the movie uh, hotel rwanda when it came out and it was bringing uh shining this light this world light on rwanda and he was actually kind of in favor of it but then as the uh Actually, I can't say his name. Uh, Rusa Begina, the uh, character played by Don Cheadle, as he became more and more outspoken against the Kagami regime, Kagami's basically getting mad. And so basically the Rwandan government has been killing dissidents all throughout the world and tracking them down. Uh, if they're speaking bad against Kagami and Rwanda, it's basically like they see it as like P- it has how they're controlling PRs. You go and you just kill your your citizens that are elsewhere in the world speaking out against you. And now Rus Begina is not been killed, but he was arrested just in August of 2020, and they basically somehow got him out of the United States. And it's almost like uh, Rus Begina thought he was going somewhere else, and all of a sudden he like wakes up in custody. Yeah. Like, it's a huge mess, and like it's still it's still ongoing at time of recording here with uh, what's going to ultimately happen to uh, Rusa Begina. Again, I might not be saying that wrong, but again, the character played by John Cheadle in Hotel Rwanda, <laughs> since we yeah, recorded just, the episode about Hotel Rwanda, has been arrested. Right, I was going to say just this month, which we're recording this in, in February, yeah. the EU just adopted a resolution condemning the arrest of Paul Ru- Rusesa Begina. Right. At, yeah. So we're even more spe- more specific. We're recording this on February nineteenth, two days ago. His trial began. Yeah. Like the updates on Wikipedia are ongoing. So this is basically now current current events tying into an episode that we weren't again. This we didn't have this information because it hadn't even happened yet. So I'm very concerned for frankly his safety and what right. ends up happening uh, with with this story going forward. So right. He he's being tried along with uh it looks like a group of other alleged rebels right so he has he has 20 co-defendants um and yeah their their trial began two days ago uh it looks like it was supposed to start last month um but like everything else this last year uh got delayed because of covid oh okay but yeah it's it's going on right now it says the court is currently adjourned until uh friday the 26th of february but yeah okay ongoing Right, and and again, being tried as rebels in the sense that pretend Darth Vader had arrested Han or Luke Skywalker and Han Solo and put them on trial as rebels. Like it's no, Bruce Begina's the good guy. And right. well, it, honestly, even weirder because it's not like he's been like a freedom fighter. He was 
It's pretty speaking out against the government, and they're just right, he's considering that they're out, undermining. He's, yeah, yeah. He, he's not like they're doing like guerrilla attacks or anything. <laughs> oh, no, oh, true. Right. It's true. Uh, Luke Skywalker did blow up the Death Star. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be like if Luke Skywalker was just tweeting from Tatooine about how right. the Empire sucks, and they came and arrested him and put him on trial. Exactly. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. So anyway, I, I, I all our best to uh, Paul Rusmagina, and we we hope that turns out well. But I'm I'm. I'm very apprehensive. If you don't get a lot of international support and to highlight on, or you know, people talking about this, it's because uh, they've already killed other people who were talking out against the Rwandan government. So he is definitely in danger. Okay, no man's land. We kind of mentioned, you know, obviously happening concurrently to that with the whole Bosnian stuff and the dissolution of Yugoslavia. And that was one of the more interesting episodes to research. I didn't know that much about that, and I also after researching it didn't know how much i didn't know that's, about that's everything that was it. going right, on right. in the former yugoslav republic in the late 80s early 90s yeah god it was a mess yeah definitely a rabbit hole you could go down for a long time long time there and it is interesting but yeah just something that we're not taught in schools you basically are taught what's going on at the time but you never get any of the whys i think maybe that's the problem with uh current events classes uh, or even just what you see on the news is you get a lot of the what's happening now, uh-huh. but you know the evening news doesn't have time to get into the years of ethnic strife or various political things and elected leaders and world events that go into informing a current event. Even right. when it comes to our own history, you look at like, oh well, we're heading, you know, we're sending troops over in Afghanistan, and okay, we're, what's the why? Well, the why is because that's where Al Qaeda is. Well, what's the why there? Like, you can just keep asking these whys, just go yeah. back decades and decades and decades, and no one has time, and not enough people have the interest to fully understand uh, what goes into all of these conflicts and events. So, you know, none of this stuff happens in a vacuum. Nelson Mandela, we were able to discuss and, and, and pay a quick uh, tribute to, but also while focusing on how complicated of a figure he is that... yeah. He's 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 a was a great man and a great leader for South Africa, but everybody's life has uh, those shades of gray. Yep, that go into creating a leader like that. The smaller pictures with you know stuff like Sea Inside, Kite Runner, Whale Rider, all kind of telling smaller stories. Kite Runner does obviously get into Taliban control of Afghanistan, but you know Sea Inside and Whale Rider, well, a little different. Sea Inside is more about the cultural issue of right to die, well, as, right. whereas Whale Rider does give us a non-historical event or historical figure glimpse at the maori culture in new zealand and that so even though i would say city of god might be the best movie on the list of this season <laughs> whale rider might actually be my favorite movie of really? the ones we did on the list okay. yeah i love it i i uh I, I wish Hotel Rwanda makes me cry through devastation. Uh, Whale Rider is the one that it's the the heartstrings and just yeah. endearing and more the personal story. And it just works for me for reasons I don't even understand, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I love Whale Rider. And uh, if you've not seen that, that's that might be the one I, I don't know. It's my favorite. City of God's probably the best production. Uh, yeah. But Whale Rider is my favorite story. And, and again, I, I'm always less... Uh, or sorry, I'm always more drawn to these smaller character studies. Not that you're not, but uh, the spectacle of a City of God or a platoon is more of a aesthetic thing than it is a draw for me yeah. than it is to, to, is to you. I'd I'd watch a stage play, you know, version of a film and be equally enthralled if the story is good and the writing's good and all that. Right. 
traffic. I did think it was important to get into the war of drugs. And a lot of the yep. stuff in this whole season was about social issues right. more than milestone events. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. So you can obviously check back to any of these episodes to hear us talk uh, 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 more in depth about them. I was going to say, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of difficult to... We're just going to rehash the same conversation. Yeah, yeah. We we could do a whole episode of the war on drugs. We did. We it's did episode ninety. It's traffic. Like go listen to it. We hear us hear us talk all about uh, the the war on drugs and how much of a mess it is. But yeah, it, it is a yeah. This this season was definitely had more like you said social issues than you know big historical figures or big historical events. I mean there there are some in there obviously like nine uh, eleven and the Vietnam War and stuff like that. But yeah, we we tried to to bring up some some other issues like right to die, um, abortion, uh, capital punishment, the war on drugs, stuff like that. And I think we gathered a great collection of films uh, to look at 9-11, the war on terror, uh, radical extremists in United 93, Paradise Now, Hurt Locker, and American Sniper. I I think that gives you a great overview of a lot of different angles of all of that because i think those films right. all inform each other in even a more direct way than what you were talking about with with some of the other stuff where you can look at you know paradise now and how these guys are recruited to be suicide bombers and then think about the mindset of the hijackers of 9-11 and how there's right. that connection there yeah and uh if i've said it once i've said it a thousand times none of the actions of any of these people are justifiable like right right it's it's horrible and you know they deserve to be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law they deserve every bad thing that happens to them because of what they do but you know it's it's not uh it doesn't happen in a vacuum right it's not a black and white mustache twirling villain thing like there are there are whys behind it right and and frankly and again we don't need to go down this whole rabbit hole but what you saw on January 6th with those people storming the Capitol in Washington, D.C., because they were convinced they were doing the right thing and helping to save the country, you can see how there's a radicalization element that can cause people, right. even Americans who people know and work with and are married to and all this, they're radicalized to the point that they say, see that they need to do something greater than themselves yep. for what they see as the right cause. It's ill-guided, and like you said, they deserve punishment. Yep. But it doesn't happen in a vacuum, and there right. are there are there are explanations that uh, start it all. Right, and it's it's the same it's the same thing with you know somebody like a uh, Timothy McVeigh, or even going back to uh, when we were talking about uh, Downfall. It's not a movie that justifies anything that Hitler or any of the Nazis did. But it's, it humanizes, and that's the big thing. It's a look. It's a look at the human element behind those horrible, awful people and those horrible, awful events. Right, and I think we've mentioned before that it's almost even dangerous. Some people have mentioned to dehumanize. If you say Hitler is this, you know, manifestation of evil, well, then he's no longer human. And if he's no longer human, we don't have to worry about becoming him or supporting right. him. Or that ever happening again or happening to anybody else. Right, yeah. right. Whereas if you remember their humanity, you may be able to empathize is not exactly the right word, but empathize with the events that led to their warped worldview. 
or how or how we can combat it and how do we how do we correct the misinformation that leads to these actions right i think that's the biggest thing is understanding it so that you know how to fight it because if you just if you dismiss it then yeah it 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 allows it to have just that much more of a of a hold a foothold uh and then uh mulad again i always kind of pair up with four months three weeks and two days just as kind of more about a a social issue this one female genital mutilation which again, unlike obviously everyone in America is very familiar with the abortion debate, but something that is just not talked about enough is female genital mutilation from the standpoint of it affects 5% of the women in the world. Yeah, the numbers on that were, were staggering. I did not realize that it was that, I, I had heard of it before, but I didn't realize that it was, yeah, that huge of a deal. 5% of the women in the world are affected by that. That's it's insane. Right, absolutely insane. And the extent to which. It's more of similar to what we were just talking about with uh, terrorism and, and, and various aspects of that. It's a misinformation campaign. And a lot of it is less about control now. And it's more just about tradition. Right. That's just how we do it. That's how it's always been done. Right. And misinformation. And so right. education is also the answer to this problem, just like it's, in theory, the answer ultimately to acts of terror right and if we could just get everyone on the same page when it comes to what's actually true and and i'm speaking in the broadest sense possible we're just what are the facts medically what are the facts politically what are the facts scientifically i just there's if we could actually just agree on reality you would get rid of so many problems in the world right uh, but there's also always going to be, I mean, less so with an issue like Malab, but there's always going to be interested parties who benefit from the lies. Right. So if if you want to know what's what's correct and right and good, just listen to our podcast and everything that we say is all the correct, good and right stuff. Um, and if anyone says different stuff, they're just wrong. God damn it, Logan, that is dangerous. <laughs> and we are human too. And we're going to get this cult of followers now. <laughs> to think we are flawless no uh you should believe us because we will admit when we are wrong and that we are flawed right that is why you should believe us in everything we say (laughs) Uh, (laughs) let's see uh waja oh man uh, again we're getting to the smaller smaller stories it's uh, that's just enduring almost a little whale rider it's it's an even smaller story yeah i was just gonna say that it's another it's another smaller story about it's not really about any event. It's just kind of a slice of life look into the, a certain culture through the eyes of a, you know, a cute little girl, just like in Whale Rider. Um, yep, and another yep. one that is going to tug at your heartstrings at the end of the movie when you, well, spoiler alert for Waja if you haven't seen it, go watch it. But at the end when they're on the roof and there's the bike and everything, you're just like, oh, man. It's so good. It's such a good movie. Another sleeper that I had never heard yes. of uh, that absolutely floored me. Yep, I had never heard of it either, and I've been recommending it to people, and I'm going to continue to recommend it to people. And I, and I would rewatch this one in a heartbeat. Yeah, it's uh, it's awesome. And just another look at another culture, like we talked about with Tana and some of these others. That it's it's important also to watch movies like this. Yes, and it's I think especially this one because it's. One of the, actually, it might be the only movie on our list that is set in the Middle East that doesn't have anything to do with terrorism. Oh, good point. Well, about Ellie. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 
Um, but this one's almost more empathizable or something. I feel, I feel like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but, you know, a lot of times, at least in America, the, the popular movies, any popular movie that you see that has, you know, the Middle East as a setting or, yeah. um, oh, for sure. or deals with it at all is, like, it's only through the lens of, like, the Iraq War. Right. Yeah, or, or you know, combating terrorism, like, in American Sniper or The Hurt Locker or even something like Charlie Wilson's War isn't necessarily about terrorism, but it's about how historical events led to the creation of you know, terrorist groups, whereas Waja is just, that story could, I guess, be set anywhere. I mean, there's specific stuff to their culture that is on display in the movie, but it's just a, it's just a good movie that happens to be set in, in Saudi Arabia. And honestly, this is what I just thought of too. And again, I recommend probably every movie on this list because Evita was last season, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but, if, but if I had to pick a movie to not necessarily force but like if i was gonna try to change hearts and minds around the world and try to create a world where everyone has more empathy for other cultures and people from other other parts of the world and other faiths and i had to recommend a movie that they needed to watch to change their worldview watch is a great choice oh yeah because it it empathize it, it just puts that other other culture in front of you in a way that you can't help but realize the similarities while also appreciating the differences. That's a great way to put it. I get so furious. And again, this was more kind of, you know, 10, 15 years ago. But you would hear the people who would flippantly say, just nuke the Middle East and be done with it. I mean, obviously, they're a-holes. But there were people who felt that because they had so otherized these other cultures that they didn't see them as having any redeemable value to even exist on the planet. Right. Put Waja in front of those people and i i gotta think it helps them recognize that common humanity in a way that they have not otherwise been exposed to absolutely (laughs) we're done here what in the whole series with waja (laughs) (laughs) but yes and then we get so we actually don't get a lot of more specific historical events so the big short does deal with the financial uh, fallout but even that's not a single event social network is kind of the creation of facebook i mean that's it's kind of a, it's like one event that takes place over the course of several years. Right, right. But that's also a, that was a, go back and listen to the Track Nerds podcast, which I think is actually spliced into that episode. Yo, right, our conversation is talk, is, is in the History of Film thread. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was my number one movie of the 2010s. Right, and again, I don't dislike it. I like Social Network. It's right. a very good movie, but you know, yeah, <laughs> I like Watch It Better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe. Okay, okay. It came out in 2004, though, right? I mean, it was no, so, right? Yeah, it's true. So I, I don't, I don't have to make that choice for the favorite <laughs> movie of the 2010s. <laughs> or no, no, Watcher. I thought Watcher from Watcher's from 2012. Oh, okay. Well, then, you, you have to make, you do have to make the choice. <laughs> maybe I don't know what I'm talking. Actually, you know what? Uh, I hadn't watched Watcher yet because I watched it for. Oh no, same. And I'm yeah. curious to what extent. I didn't think about that. Like, are there movies that you know? Going back to our other podcast, we're talking about best movies of the decade. Are there movies that on this list that might I might consider Waja for my because I did a full top 20 I think we only talked about top 10 but I did a full yeah. top 20 write-up I might go back and give Waja one of those lower spots in the top 20 of the decade like I really really enjoyed that movie yeah uh yeah so uh, social network talking about you know obviously history of social media history of Facebook yep another Aaron Sorkin banger of a screenplay oh right Aaron Sorkin <laughs> yet again Beast of Nation, the first ever Netflix feature film Again, fictitious, but representative of actual events and atrocities that are 
still happening to this day in Africa. Actually, another current event thing. Do you see it? That like a bunch of uh, school kids in Nigeria were just kidnapped like yesterday. Yeah, I saw. Well, yeah, I saw the story. I didn't read it. I saw the headline though. Okay, yeah, no, insane. But yeah, just, and I was thinking Nigeria is not having to deal with as many of these issues as uh, as some other parts of Africa. So that's man, it's yeah, just heartbreaking. And yet, and yeah. this is a uh, god. That's Beast of No Nation is a really good look on how not just how you get child soldiers, but how they're so the child soldiers are then so. Um, conditioned that's what i'm looking for they're so conditioned you know to be part of that movement and then desensitized to horrible violence from a very very young age to the point where they're literally just killing people with machetes like before the age of 10 in the movie but man talk about a talk about a strong opening for for netflix movies like that's the first one idris elba has a really good performance in it there's a couple of really cool like cinematography things like shots that are that are just awesome like which i gushed over in the actual episode yeah but, yeah you know there's like a uh the scene where they're where the kids on on drugs for the first time and like they do that weird color correction where everything changes colors the the shot where it's like backs out through the tv so it looks like they're kind of on the screen but the tv is in like it's just the empty shell of a TV. Like that was really cool. The they do the long take where it's like the cameras going through the house where they're doing all these horrific war crimes. Um, you know, it's like several minutes of of the camera just an unblinking look at this horrible, horrible stuff that is being done by child soldiers, but also in a way is being done to them because they don't really have a choice. Yeah, man, I Beast of No Nation was uh another one that I I hadn't I think I maybe seen it once before or he'd seen at least a couple scenes, but yeah, it was really, really good. And then uh, uh, Big Short is one we could also probably equally include on the American history list, but the fact that the financial crisis was that significant of a world event and the world yeah. economy suffered after the collapse of all these uh, banks and uh, Big Short deals with the people who made money off of betting on the fall. Another uh, current events thing with the uh, the recent... You know, like the Reddit, the subreddits that are yeah, that are yeah. Wall Street bets, screw, yeah. right? Screwing over the the shorters by buying up a bunch of uh, meme stocks and uh, basically forcing these hedge funds uh, to lose a ton of money. Which now I don't feel bad about it, but long term though, didn't I actually just I actually I once it kind of fell out of the immediate news cycle. How did that end up though? Because I'm guessing all these people who bought the stock, GameStop, well, the stock still went back down, right? So yeah, people still uh, end up losing right. money. So a lot of the a lot of the stock did like they people did end up selling once like for instance GameStop got up to like, you know, three or four hundred dollars. Right. People started selling, you know, to make money, but that that stock is still worth a lot more than it was. Oh, okay. And there are still hedge funds that are losing money. Um, and a bunch of the hedge funds that were shorting those stocks, you know, like some of them had to declare bankruptcy. Like it, it, a lot of big stuff happened and there are, there is, I think still, I don't know, investigation is the right term, but basically people still looking into like, for instance, the Robin hood trading app where they shut down, you could only sell, you couldn't buy for a certain period of time. And and the reasoning behind that and how, how shady some of that stuff, what like there's, I, I feel like there's gonna. I, I jokingly texted you about how I can't wait for Big Short Two, oh. <laughs> you know, short harder. 
um, about this this most recent thing with the yeah Wall Street bets. Of course, then my thought too was like when, when of course I always have these thoughts too late, don't ever actually do them. But like when GameStop's up to like four hundred dollars, I'm like, well, shouldn't I short sell it now? Like, what the heck? There's no way it's staying there. Like they were shorting yeah. it at like ten dollars. I'm like, well, if this is four hundred. Right. Of course, I want to short it. Well, I think maybe. And again, I don't I don't know anything about any of this stuff. That's true. I don't know enough about it. But like, you know, in the big short, there's that there's that scene where like those two guys go and they try and they're like, oh, we want to, you know, we want to start working with you guys and, and, you know, doing some, I don't know, financial magic. And they're like, oh, well, you don't have this like certain certificate you, or you don't meet the capital requirements to get this certain certification that allows you to do all this stuff. So, oh, true. Yeah. The barrier for entry for that stuff is I think pretty high, right? For for the the shorting side of it, not necessarily for like you can just you can buy stock, but anyway. And th- and then and the last couple of movies here weren't even historical events or historical characters, but I I do think they kind of both wind down the whole thing in a, in a good way about Ellie. Just more of a again a great film, yeah. More just kind of a, and set in Iran, but not you know, like we talked about with Wajid, not actually a about anything historical or even you know even though it's set in iran it's not about anything big politically it's more just this character drama um but again another good look at another society but as a movie though a movie that i hadn't really seen anything like it before yes yeah we did think it was both very unique yeah and it's not like it's not weird like it's not like you know they're they're going for some kind of like strange aesthetic it's just like the story is very unique like it's not really it doesn't really fit into any box genre yeah it was really good though yeah um and then again i wanted to end with midnight in paris just as a personal favorite of mine that's a little more lighthearted when we go from all this stuff with child soldiers and terrorism and fgm and a million other things that are just kind of dark and depressing to talk about i wanted to end with a fun movie that does even though too i i did mention the episode but i don't think it really stuck in my head the extent to which midnight in paris and its uh focus on nostalgia and the erroneous idea that there is a greater time that existed before the current one that you want to go back to right is in some ways the maga movie that is relevant in 2020 and 2021 here in a way that the movie doesn't actually address at all but this idea that we'd be better off if we went to a previous time and it deals with maybe the flaws in that in a humorous way, in a way you could apply to the current political climate, not just in the United States, because obviously there's this rise in nationalism all over the world right now. Um, And again, Midnight in Paris doesn't touch on any of that, but you can definitely draw a line to Midnight in Paris and the most present point where we are leaving world history to the present. (laughs) Right, yeah. And something that I don't think the the movie touched on that I, I don't know if we mentioned in the episode, but you know, having nostalgia for a previous time, like, yeah, you know, you might think that, oh, well, like, this would have been better, or this this aspect of my life or whatever was better back then, but going back in time means things get a lot worse for a lot more people. Right. Especially in places that are, you know, not wealthy first world countries like the United States. So that's something that I think gets uh, maybe forgotten right it's it, yeah it's, it's not uh not addressed as much or not thought about as much as like well you know 
if we go back and do everything like we did in the 1950s, you know, oh, well, the economy in the United States was really good in the 50s. Like, yeah, but there were a lot of people that weren't having a great time in the 50s as well. So right, right. And it's easy. You're not easy, but it's the people are ignoring that if they want to go back to that time. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that kind of brings we already obviously we already did in the Midnight Paris episode that we just did. But this episode kind of recapping the whole project in this season does other than potential bonus episodes in the future brings our world history project to a close a nice tidy bow on it and we already talked a little bit about and we'll kind of get into more detailing what's uh what's to come with our tournament and some other shows so thanks for listening and we will see you next time <laughs>